Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. From director Todd Douglas Miller, also known for the documentary film Dinosaur 13, comes a cinematic event. 50 years in the making, crafted from newly discovered trove of 65-millimeter footage and more than 11,000 hours of uncatalogued audio recordings, Apollo 11 takes us straight to the heart of NASA's most celebrated mission, the one that put men on the moon for the first time and forever made Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin household names. Immersed in a perspective of the astronauts, a team, the team of mission control, and millions of spectators on the ground, we vividly experience those momentous days and hours in 1969 when humankind took a giant step into the future. We're fortunate to have with us the director and editor of this remarkable documentary film of Apollo 11, and that would be Todd Douglas Miller. Todd, welcome back to Film School. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. Well... How did you? How did this come to you? How did were you were you uh, were you sort of a, a geek for the uh, for the space program? Did somebody tell you about this? How did this remarkable? I mean, this is an amazing collection of material. But tell me how you first uh, realized that this is something that you could pursue as a documentary film. Well, we um, you know we were working uh, actually on another film in the in the space uh, genre. Uh, I've certainly been a fan of space. I wouldn't classify myself, um, you know, as a, as a all the way space nerd, uh, but I, I definitely think with this project, I'm an honorary member uh, for sure. <laughs> the the origin of the of the project uh, actually started with one particular moon rock uh, that we were trying to uh, find the provenance of uh, that was collected during the Apollo 17 space mission, the, the last mission to land men on the moon. Through that, we uh, developed a short film uh, utilizing. Uh, Similar techniques that we did with Apollo 11 uh, in that we uh, forego uh, any modern narration. Uh, we just use all our archival sources. And we made a short film called Last Steps Out of That with our partners at CNN Films. And they were interested in doing uh, a feature-length uh, version for the moon landing. This was years ago, the foresight of 50th anniversary coming up. Um, I kind of actually uh, thought that it wouldn't be for them. It's going to be more of uh, an art film that we were kind of push the boundaries a little bit um, into uh, uh, narrative structure, a little bit more into um, uh, having a, a more direct cinema experience. But to their credit, they, they stuck by the idea. Uh, my thought initially was to uh, just rescan or, or have uh, telecine done, basically digitizing uh, all the available 16 millimeter and, and 35 millimeter that was available uh, through the National Archives and uh, uh, various NASA facilities. And that started an effort to organize all of that, uh, spearheaded by um, our archive producer, uh, who's based out of the UK, his name's Stephen Slater. And there really hadn't been a, an effort to get a higher quality uh, imagery of any of that, uh, any of that film uh, in over a decade. So I knew if we were going to make a film, I really wanted it done in, in, the, mo in the highest quality. And in consulting with uh, our post-production facility here in New York, who had some, uh, who was just entering into uh, some new scanning technology, mm -hmm. uh, we knew that we could get some more out of that 16 and 35. Uh, what was completely un 
uh, unexpected was this discovery of uh, the large format material, the 65 millimeter, right. um, and then ultimately some 70 millimeter that came through uh, NASA's engineering facilities. So that process uh, led to some new technologies uh, in scanning that we developed uh, to capture um, the imagery and upwards of 8K resolution. Um, and then we also, uh, through the course of the project, were gifted with over 18,000 hours of Apollo project audio uh, from Mission Control. Um, 11,000 hours of that was Apollo uh, 11 related. Um, so it was very much a group effort. I'm just so proud of the team, uh, you know, in the years of work to, to get through all of this and, and pull it off. and turn it into what we have today. It sounds like this was an immense undertaking, and given what you were thought you were going to do at the beginning and where you ended up, my God, what a journey this is, must have been for you, not only as a filmmaker, but as someone who sounds like you've been involved in at least facilitating the creation of new technology, uh, new ways of going about approaching older material, as you described the 16 millimeter. Wow, what a what a what an arc of a story just in and of itself. This particular the making of this film, I'm sure, it would warrant another whole documentary. But tell me a little bit about your your growth as a filmmaker and as someone who's really thrown yourself into what it sounds like some exciting new technologies for filmmaking. It's really opened our eyes. Um, I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, when we did Dinosaur 13, that was shot digitally. I'm old enough to remember uh, what it was like to shoot on film. Um, <laughs> and certainly with some of the uh, technologies that are around today, um, and particularly working with the team at IMAX and just being such a fan of large format filmmaking from you know, pre, even pre-IMAX, the 50s and 60s, and then discovering, um, really getting into the research of how all this imagery that we were utilizing, how it came about, who shot it, has really opened our eyes to a larger world of film, just how, how special it is. Uh, and certainly for projects moving forward, um, we're already in discussions, you know, with manufacturers about developing a pipeline uh, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, on the acquisition side, capture in large format film, uh, and then with the team on the post end of things, uh, how we, you know, digitize that uh, and, and can edit and, and, and make, you know, both fiction and nonfiction films uh, a lot more accessible, both budgetarily and uh, from a technical standpoint, uh, more accessible, too. Let's let our listeners know that the film is coming out uh, on March 28th at a couple of very select theaters, and then it's March 1st will be its wider release, and it's going to be screening it in the IMAX format in some of these theaters. So I'm suggesting to people that they go to Apollo11movie.com to find out where it'll be screening and and finding a, an IMAX theater where you can see this because uh, it is a spectacular view, uh, look to the film. I mean, the, the footage that you were either able to enhance or that you found that was already in this really particularly pristine look to it, it, it is really... And the film puts you right in the middle of this, right in the middle of all of the things that were happening around this. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Todd Douglas-Miller. He's the director and editor of the film Apollo 11. Todd, let's back up just a bit because... While I'm familiar with what happened in Apollo 11, many of our listeners may not. It just may be something that they've heard about in a history book or they saw on some grainy film somewhere on a, on a show sometime on television. So let's go back and sort of 
set the stage, going back to John Kennedy in 1961, I believe he was, 6061, when he made a famous pro- proclamation on the part of the United States. Let's go, let's go there and move forward to just how technically in- improbable this was and what it meant to not only the United States but to the world. Yeah, so John F. Kennedy does gives a speech to Congress. Um, you know, at the time, uh, the United States was, you know, in a space race with uh, with the Soviet Union. Russia was really um, was really uh, beating the pants off of the United States. And John F. Kennedy uh, famously said, uh, you know, well, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of this decade. And sure enough, in in less than a decade, they did. And it was a very uh, strategic initiative. John Kennedy himself, three years later, uh, was assassinated. And I I think that's an important point to realize just the, uh, not only the political dynamics that were going on, but you had a major war in Vietnam. Mothers were asked to, you know, send their sons off to war. Um, We had uh, civil rights going on. Not only uh, JFK was assassinated, Martin Luther King, his uh, JFK's brother, Robert, uh, was assassinated in 68, the same year. There was uh, a tremendous amount of political uh, strife going on, uh, not only in the United States, but worldwide. By the end of the decade, in, uh, in the summer of 1969, uh, when right shortly before Apollo 11 launched, less than 50% of Americans were in favor of the, the space program. On the day of the launch, that number had increased uh, to uh, almost 70%. And uh, when Neil Armstrong on July the 20th set foot on the moon the day after on the 21st, that number was almost 90%. And it it speaks to the sheer gravity of what they accomplished and and how inspiring what they did was. Over, you know, almost half a million people were involved in, in, in putting a man on the moon um, and that was uh, that the number of companies exceeded 20,000. Um, the, num- the numbers are just are just unfathomable today. But it, it also speaks to you know when a, a great number of people can come together, they can accomplish uh, a great thing. And I I think that that's hopefully what people will take away from this film. Right. Um, and certainly, hopefully, you know, we could have some parallels uh, to hopefully accomplishing something great like that again today. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a, one of the strengths of the film is the first of all, as you described it, there, there's no narrative. There's no one telling you what you're watching or what you should be be thinking when you're watching this film. It's all stuff that was real time. Uh, the footage of there's one of one of my favorite shots in the film was it was a tracking shot along the perimeter of the row after row of men men, I didn't see many women, men sitting at the monitors watching the, their monitors uh, as the, as they're preparing for the launch and just the how many people were involved and how involved and and it's understandable no one in the history of the world had attempted anything quite this complex with this many people involved is that a fair statement? Absolutely. I do want to just go back. Uh, that shot that you're describing was in the firing room um, at Cape Kennedy, it was called at the time, yeah. um, now Cape Canaveral. And uh, it was in firing room one, and there was one woman that is in that firing room. Her name is Joanne Morgan, and uh, she is surrounded by just a sea of masculinity. Uh, <laughs> but she was the lone woman there, and she had a very, very important job. She was an engineer. Um, but she uh, ended up having a very long career at uh, at NASA and is still alive today, living down in Florida. That's terrific. We see 
the footage of of the launch center at Cape Canaveral. We see the the Houston uh, Space Center, which I didn't know. And this is I, I may maybe I shouldn't even give this away, but there was a trade-off between between those two facilities in in the course of the launch and the and the journey of the astronauts on Apollo, Apollo 11 which I was completely unaware of there's so many things in this film that are so uh, amazing first of all just that you're you feel like you're standing next to these men when they're doing these things but also just the 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 details of this mission and the, and Again, you, this appreciation of just what went into making this happen is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Go, I, I don't even know if I have a question, uh, Todd. <laughs> just... <laughs> well, it's really a testament to, um, uh, you know, we worked very closely with NASA's um, uh, historical office, Bill Berry and his team over there, and, and certainly a lot of the folks at National Archives and through the various NASA facilities, they're all just um, complete fans of this mission. Yeah. Uh, so we had a ton of help, uh, notwithstanding all of our outside uh, consultants, um, and we really wanted to make it right um, yeah. and, and to get it right. And I think uh, when you talk about the Apollo project, you talk about the history of it all, and it really is the work of countless individuals like that. Um, you know, you go to NASA.gov and you look at the transcripts, it's all volunteer-based. Um, certainly there's NASA employees that are involved, but, you know, we're just another you know, link in that chain uh, through all the volunteers that have come before us um, and all the filmmakers that have come before us to just understanding the canon that is Apollo 11 and its story and its history. Um, I think we all have a responsibility to, you know, keep these stories alive uh, for future generations. Yeah, it's difficult to understate the drama of the mission itself, and I, I, I feel like that needs to be talked about because while they have rehearsed it, they've, there were, were a number of Apollo missions, Mercury missions, and others that simulated what this was going to be like until it's in real time and you're actually doing and we had circled the moon before but the idea of dropping two human beings on the surface of the moon and at least as important getting them off the surface of the moon and I can't help but think there that must have been in some ways the most dramatic part of the entire mission was them blasting off the surface of the moon is is that is that fair Absolutely. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, we try to highlight the various stages. That yes. Everybody thinks, you know, just landing or, you know, the one, every single time they fired up an engine, um, if it wasn't successful, and they only have one chance to do it. So, you know, <laughs> the lunar liftoff uh, sequence is by far one of my, you know, favorite cinematic uh, pieces of, of film ever shot. It's shot by Mike Collins of the lunar module coming off the surface of the moon. It's one of the first scenes we actually edited together. But certainly uh, that is such an important moment. But then even lighting the candle to come home, uh, if, that, if that didn't happen and it was, you know, one engine, the SLS engine, if that did not happen, um, it would have, uh, you know, they would have still been circling and probably impacted the moon and be gone forever. So, yeah. um, you know, it was always important to, you know, highlight that as much as we could in the film. And and that we've barely mentioned Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins, and uh, he's sort of like the the, the, lost, the forgotten beetle in in, a, in this sort of story in a way. And I just when I was watching the film, I kept thinking about him circling 
the moon as Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were carrying out their mission. And I kept thinking, those 45, 46 minutes when he was on the dark side of the moon, what is going through this man's mind? What is he thinking about? How is he processing what's happening? And and just the whole thing, and it's brought it's brought to life in this film. I mean, it you feel you can feel their their sense of uh, the tension, the joy, the the expectations, all of it in this film just really brings us home. And in a way, i again, it's just such a humanizing uh, approach that you used in order to tell their story. And it's not just their story; it's the dozens and dozens of people that we see in the film the flight uh, managers all of the different people on the on the uh, uh communicating with them and the back and forth and the professionalism that they demonstrated throughout this mission is it's just remarkable to watch well yeah i appreciate it and it's you know it's, it's just such a testament to the people that you know were involved it's just an incredible testament to uh as you mentioned uh not only their expertise expertise but uh, their humanity too, yeah. um, you know. The, and I hope that the film uh, puts some names to some of those faces that we've seen over the decades. Amen. And even if you think you know the story, you don't until you've seen this film because there are things in here. I thought I knew this story, and uh, there were so many things in the film in Apollo Eleven that just it just jumped off at off the off the screen at me, and it was an oh wow moment uh, throughout the film. There's many of them. Well, Todd. Douglas Miller, I want to thank you so much for your work here as the director and editor uh, of Apollo 11. But I also want to remind, before I let you go, I want to remind people that they can go to Apollo11movie.com to find out about where the film will be screening and the, and the opportunity to see it as an IMAX experience and to just uh, make an effort to go out and see this film. You should take your kids. If you're listening to me, you have kids. Take especially your young daughters because we need we need engineers, we need all kinds of people that are going to help us navigate the future Apollo 11 projects. And there will be many of them. And we need them out there learning how to do these and and appreciating what's being done here in your film, Apollo 11. Todd Douglas Miller, thank you so very much for being here on Film School. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for all the kind words. Really Uh, appreciate it and all uh, the support. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.